So they kept asking me, is the water going to be cold? Is the water going to be cold? And the water's not cold. There's a heater up there. Perhaps it's a little bit too warm in the baptistry. But today is a very special day in the life of our church because today we have celebrated the baptisms of our disciples class. And so to their families, to their friends that are here, to the members of Woodmont Christian Church, this is a wonderful day, a day of celebration, a day of thanksgiving to God, a day that they are beginning, officially beginning, their journey as a baptized Christian. These young fifth graders have spent a lot of time with Reverend Justin Gung, who is our minister for family life and children. They've been with their mentors. Could the mentors put your hand up if you were a mentor for the disciples class this year? Thank you for all that you have done. And what we tell them is your mentor is not just there for you leading up to your baptism. Your mentor is also there for you as you move forward from your baptism. And that is a very important thing. Baptism is a holy sacrament. And through baptism, we are seeking to be faithful to Jesus' great commission when he said, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then Jesus gives us a promise. He says, remember, I am with you always until the end of the age. Baptism is the beginning of this journey. It means that we have made a commitment to live our lives in Christ, to follow his teachings, to be faithful to his commandments, and, and to live a life of discipleship. Now, baptism by immersion is the way that we practice it in the Christian church, but there are certainly other, other traditions, and we don't claim to be the only Christians. But baptism by immersion symbolizes our dying to an old way of life and being born into a new way of life. Baptism by immersion symbolizes the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we celebrated last Sunday on, on Easter. Um, and, and so what we want to say is that some of these children may have been in a tradition where they were christened as infants, and they may have grown up at Woodmont where they were dedicated, but we practice believers' baptism by immersion. We don't require that people be rebaptized, but this is the way that we celebrate baptism in our tradition. What I'd like to do very briefly this morning is I'd like to share just a few words of wisdom, a few words of advice with our newly baptized Christians this morning about what it means to follow Jesus. I want them to think about the importance of this day and why it is a big deal, why it is significant. And I want to say a word to their parents and to their families the church cannot do what it does without you doing your part at home. Teaching them, modeling for them, exemplifying for them the Christian way of living, a way of loving, a way of serving, a way of being. And so thank you to our parents and our families for all that, that you do. I'm going to share five brief thoughts about what it means to be a Christian in the world today. And, um, and I want them to just reflect upon these and maybe even talk about them with their family. First of all, I'll say this. Being a Christian is first and foremost, first and foremost about having an ongoing and healthy relationship with Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. And I've always said that that relationship with Christ should transcend denominations and congregations and church structure and church politics and all the other things that organized religion sometimes brings with it. Many Christians are guilty of getting so caught up in theology and doctrine and creeds and believing the right thing 
that they often neglect the most important thing, which is having a relationship with Jesus and allowing that relationship to change the way that you think and act. Uh, To really understand what it means to be a Christian, you first have to understand the nature of Christ, who he was, how he lived, what he said, what he taught, how he behaved, what were his priorities, how did he treat other people, what did he spend his time doing. These are all important questions, and these are questions that we find the answers to in the Gospels when we take the time to read them. I've always said that there is a big difference, a really big difference between cultural Christianity and true discipleship. Cultural Christians are often checking something off the list. True disciples are listening closely to the words of Jesus and trying to follow them. Cultural Christians show up every now and then. We saw a lot of them here last week. Uh, It's always good to see them. But true disciples are consistently present in worship and Bible study and prayer and small groups and growing in their spiritual life. Cultural Christians will give whenever it's convenient for them, but true disciples will give of their money and their time and their talents sacrificially and on a ready and willing basis, a regular and willing basis. True discipleship is a lifelong process of learning and growing. And once you know what Jesus is asking of you, then you know that it's both demanding and it's also life changing. The second thing that I'll say this morning about being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, is that it's all about learning how to love. Loving others even when it's hard. Loving others even when you don't feel like it. Loving others even when they've done you wrong or hurt you. I spent some time this past week with a longtime member of our church by the name of Elizabeth Regent. She had Her husband, Gene, have been members here for decades. They've been here a very long time. And Elizabeth is battling, in her late 80s, a very aggressive uh, brain tumor uh, that she just found out about uh, a few weeks ago. And, um, And so I was talking to her this past week, and I said, is there anything that you would want me to tell the disciples class today, on this day that they are baptized? And she said in her beautiful, sweet southern accent, she said, tell them to love one another. If you can love one another, then everything else will work itself out. Well, loving one another is very important, but loving one another is not always easy. It's not always simple. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's complicated. Sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes uh, we're not in the mood uh, to love one another. But remember, love is a choice that we make. Love is a decision that we make. Love is a verb and not just a noun. Paul writes this to the Romans. Let love be genuine. Hate what's evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love is not always convenient. Love is not always easy. But remember, the greatest commandment and the second commandment that Christ gave us Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says on these two things hang all the law and the prophets. In 1 John, it says that we should love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. And the love that I'm talking about 
should be evident in the way that we live, the way that we talk, the way that we interact, the way that we treat other people. If you had to sum up Christianity with one word, that word would be love. Christ came to teach us how to love, but we know that love is not simple and love is not easy. Thirdly this morning, being a Christian requires and demands ongoing commitment and sacrifice. I've been saying for years that one of my fears about Christianity in North America is that it will become a religion uh, of convenience, that it will fill in the gaps when we don't have something better to do, but if there's something else that we're supposed to do, then we'll just let it fill in the gaps. And to be honest with you, I fear that because I often see that. I often experience that. Uh, And that's not a good thing. Spiritual disciplines are very important. I'll tell our young people that, that prayer and reading the Bible and studying the scriptures and forgiveness on a regular basis and giving your time and your treasure and your talents back to the church, we must be intentional about these things. And this is the way that we practice our faith. You cannot be a Christian alone. It happens in a community. It happens with other Christians. Today, our baptisms happened here in the church, in worship, in the middle of a faith community, and we're here to support each other and love each other and lift each other up. And that that community is a part of what it means to follow Jesus. Today is also our Commitment Sunday. You know, there's some years when everything just seems to overlap. And when Easter comes late and you have to run a stewardship campaign during the month of April, it all just happens at one time. But if you think about it, it's actually very fitting because today our young people have made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, to serve and to give back, and it should inspire the rest of us to make a commitment to continue to support the church and all of its mission and ministries and programs and outreaches for another year. It's been said many times before that the faith is much more likely to be caught than taught. What does that mean? It means that when you surround yourself with other people who are, who are following Christ and who are dedicated to living out his teachings, and you are much more likely to catch that than to actually just learn it in a classroom. What does spiritual growth looks like? look like? I'm going to tell our young people, spiritual growth is very important, but you have to work on it your entire life. I always go back to Galatians 5 where Paul says, you want to know what the fruits of the Spirit are? Here they are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the traits that should be made evident in our lives. They should manifest themselves in our lives if we are growing spiritually and if we are following Christ. And all of us have one or two of those fruits of the Spirit that we can and that we should work on on a regular basis. You know, we're now in an age, in 2019, where everybody's busy all the time. You talk to people and you say, how have you been? And what's the answer that they give? They say, I've been so busy. Busy doing what? We're busy, but we're not necessarily accomplishing more. And I think that being busy is perhaps one of the greatest dangers to growing in the spiritual life. Because time for your soul, time for prayer, time for reflection, time for Bible study gets crowded out because we're so busy. And we get so accustomed 
to this fast pace of life that we forget to nurture our souls. And yet it's so important if we want to grow spiritually. Fourth, being a Christian calls us into community and connection with people that may not be like us. In fact, they may be very different from us. Our culture, if you haven't noticed, has become very lonely and very tribal and very polarized. There is a multi-billion dollar industry called cable news that is very much interested in keeping us tribal, keeping us against each other. Have you seen that? Christians are called to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. I got to hear this past week at, uh, at Montgomery Bell Academy, the Trinity Forum, Senator Ben Sass was the speaker. And Senator Ben Sass is the junior senator from Nebraska, very, very sharp uh, young guy, he's in his 40s, and he came to talk about what he calls lonely America. And he says that there are many people in our culture who are lonely. They don't have social connections, they don't have friends, and we have a problem on our hands in this country. Depression is on the rise, opioid addiction is literally killing people, uh, many of them men, suicide levels are much higher than they used to be, and all of this points back to this sense of loneliness and the sense of emptiness and meaninglessness. And the reality is we need each other. We need community. We need friendships. In Galatians, Paul says, as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you've clothed yourselves with Christ. There's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And in a world that always tries to divide us and pit us against each other, we need to be reminded that as Christians and as followers of Christ, we are one in Christ Jesus. Jesus was constantly pushing the social norms of his day. He associated with people that were considered outcasts and sinners, and he calls us out of our comfort zones to be around people and to serve people that are not like us. And so we have to go out and serve in different parts of the city, in different parts of the country, in different parts of the world. We're called to go build habitat houses, to host room in the inn, to go to Guatemala and Africa and Haiti and South America, and, and to read to kids at Fall Hamilton Elementary School, and to go serve at the National Food Project. All of these things matter, and all of these things make a difference in our faith and in our community. Now, naturally, we are prone to just surround ourselves with people that are just like us. That's what's comfortable. That's what we know. That's what makes us feel good, is to be around people that have the same opinions and the same perspectives. But Christianity and Jesus Christ calls us to get out of that and to be around people who are different, who have different backgrounds, who may see the world differently, and to build relationships and connections out of love. Lastly, this morning, I'll say this to our young disciples class. Being a Christian is about living out Jesus' great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to teach them all that Jesus has commanded us. And he says, I'm with you always until the end of the age. I've always said, this is called the Great Commission. 
not the great suggestion. It's something that we are called to do if we want to follow Jesus. If your faith is strong and if it changes your life, then you'll want to go and share it with others, not just keep it to yourself. If your church is a place that you love and that you're proud of, then you'll want to go and share it with others and not just keep it to yourself. St. Francis of Assisi once said, you know, go and preach the gospel everywhere and use words only if necessary. Live out the Great Commission. Go and introduce other people to Christ, not just by what you say, but by how you live. Let your Christian love be evident in how you live, how you treat people, how you talk to people, how you interact with people. Be compassionate, be empathetic, be understanding, but share your faith and share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. So this morning we say congratulations. Congratulations to our disciples class. We're proud of you. We're happy for you. We're here for you, not just today, but in the years to come. And we want you to know that if you continue to follow Christ, it won't always be easy. It won't always be convenient. But you are in for a wonderful, a wonderful lifelong journey. God bless you guys, and amen.